guys. This week on Humans and Magic, we're going to do something a little bit different from some of the previous episodes you may have heard in the past. Uh, it's kind of a different week where I'm just going to be sharing with you a recording that I did a few months back when I released my book about playing Magic, or more specifically, the 20 years or so that I've had playing Magic, getting introduced to the game, and some of the dark paths that I've kind of gone down while enjoying magic and all of its in all of its competitive glory. So uh, this was a interview that I conducted with Mikhail Lowe of the Power Nine podcast just a few months back when I initially released my book called Magic the Addiction. This was actually before this podcast came into existence. I was just wanting to spread the word out there about the book and see who might be interested in picking up a copy and reading. So yeah, this time it's not going to be an interview with a guest. I am the interviewee instead, and it's a little bit different from what you may have heard in the past. Uh, for me, just kind of taking a step back, I've always enjoyed the prospect of creating content. So before this podcast, I was thinking about being more of a writer, and writing a book has always been on my bucket list of things to do. And so I looked at the book, Magic the Addiction, as my story. And Humans of Magic being, I want to be telling other people's stories as well. So uh, the interview is not very long. It's only about half an hour. We go into some of my reasons for wanting to write the book, some of the central themes in the book, some of the dark parts, some of the sarcastic parts, some of the negative parts, and... Yeah, basically some of my life views as well, because the book is one part memoir, one part magic, one part framework for how to be good at channeling your competitive energies. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. That was my book. I wrote it a few months back, and uh, I'm hoping that if you're interested, take, take a listen at this episode, and uh, you can find the book on Amazon if you're interested, or if you have any questions... Just let me know. Next week, or in the next episode, we should be going back to our regularly scheduled Humans of Magic. So not to worry. This uh, is just a temporary uh, interlude. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, yeah, let's go. to a special segment of the show here with me on the line we have mr james sue the author of magic the addiction which just came out uh hi james hello hey uh all right so for the folks at home uh why don't you introduce yourself let's start with who you are where you're from what you do and uh how long you've been playing magic yeah so my name is james sue and i currently work in the tech industry, but I have a love of writing and writing and playing magic in general. So I've been playing magic since I was 
about 12 or 13 years old. So that would have been for about 20 years off and on. And so that's basically a little bit about me. Uh, what's your favorite format? Uh, I've read the book already, so I know. Uh... <laughs> it's got to be the legacy format. I've been playing legacy competitively for quite a number of years, and I really enjoy the ability to use old cards and the power levels of the format in general. Yeah, I've recently been covering Vintage, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree. The power level is... Uh... There is no ceiling to the power level. Well, besides the power nine. Yeah. yeah, the vintage is just absolutely insane. I mean, judging by the name of this podcast, it's something that you guys are into. <laughs> but uh, legacy is, I guess, the next best thing after that. So, that's the red herring. We don't uh, talk about vintage at all. <laughs> I know, but it's such a cool name, so uh, it's very attractive. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, yeah, d- before we s- begin with all the questions. Uh, I've read the book. I want to review the book. I think it's very well written. Uh, you know, I like the well. I like the stories that you tell, and uh, it's definitely not for uh, just an MTG audience. So, uh, you know, why do you call it the uh, magic, the addiction? You know, it clearly does uh, have references outside the game, and I think it definitely relates to people who don't play Magic: The Gathering. So uh, yeah, why the, you know, why why so much relation to magic? Sure. So I wanted to write about my experiences as a competitive gamer, and magic just happened to be one of the things that I was really into as a child, and still am right now. I in the book I talk about how I, because of my competitive nature, I got into other things that I could not quite get out of, such as poker and battle and other things I was super competitive in. Magic happened to be one of the outlets. And so that's basically why I wrote the book is I wanted to be thematically about competition, overcome competition in a healthy way, mentally and mindset-wise. And so that's why I wanted to write the book, uh, Calling it Magic the Addiction, because there is some fine line between, at least for me, addiction and obsession and competition. But... I wanted to be speak to the general uh, theme of being competitive. I see. Uh, you started out the book having quite a negative slant to it already, uh, which surprised me because usually when we talk about Magic the Gathering, or at least when Watsi talks about Magic the Gathering, it's all you know, cheerful, happy, uh, you know, miracles and and stuff like that. But you started off with a very very dark tone uh so you know what exactly is the message behind your book and what you know what you're trying to convey uh to the reader i'm basically trying to convey to the reader my experiences in the game although they're my personal experiences i feel that everybody every magic player or gamer has these symptoms when they play a game competitively it's basically what happens when you start to care too much and it starts to take over various parts of your life so the book is not meant to be a entirely negative examination of magic the gathering in fact i'm still playing magic today and the book does have somewhat of a (laughs) happy ending but i tried to do was talk about the balance that i had to take when i played the game so there are some highs there are some happy moments 
there are also some lows. There are some down moments. And so I wanted it to be an accurate uh, depiction of my experiences. You know, whether it, whether it's the good times or the bad times, I wanted to take the reader through that. And through this sort of journey that I had myself, I have tried to generalize the list of learnings and experiences so that hopefully someone who reads the book can learn from what I've learned and not go down the same uh, dead ends that I may have gone down. Um, so that's what I really try to do is talk about my experiences in a very realistic and factual way and also try to generalize the learning so that they can be applied to anybody who is overly competitive, if you will. Mm. Uh, yeah, I definitely like uh, the way you, you know, the last chapter or the last part of the book where you sum up uh, basically everything that you've learned into, well, almost three sentences, uh, but we'll talk about that later. All right, so what was the uh, impetus to write the book and uh, share on the subject matter? I like that it's uh, a personal experience and that, uh, you know, you're, you do represent the, I guess, everyday Joe. You know, uh, you know, it's not talking about the pros, but you definitely play on a competitive and uh, professional level. So, uh, yeah, what was, uh, you know, what made you write the book, or you know, what was your inspirations for the book? Yeah, the real spark for me to write the book was the really negative time that I had about two years ago. So I went to, in fact, this is in the book too. I went to Grand Prix New Jersey to play in the Legacy GP. And I had gone, I had decided that I was going to go there all the way from Beijing to New Jersey. I would literally just fly there for, sit there for three, four, five days, play in the tournament, make day two, do fairly well by my standards and come back. And I put myself mentally all in, in terms of wanting to do really well. And through no fault, but nobody's fault but my own. I didn't do so well. I scrubbed out of day, day one. Uh, I, I went to the New Jersey uh, area. I didn't even, I, I closed myself in mentally. So I didn't even go with any of my buddies. I had some friends who were going to go from Canada and other parts of the world, but they couldn't go at the last minute. So I decided I was going to do this on my own. I was going to sit in the convention center for two days and I was just going to play magic. I, I even decided not to seek out my friends who were in the New Jersey, New York area because I wanted to be focused on magic. And so the experience I had was I dedicated myself entirely to try to do well in the tournament. I prepared a lot when I was in Beijing, but it didn't go so well. And oh, the other thing was I had turned down vacation time with my girlfriend. So she had wanted to go to Thailand and I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't go to Thailand with you. I have to go to New Jersey to play Magic. So there were all these kind of <laughs> all these kind of things that made the final result very unsatisfying. And so I was very frustrated with myself because I didn't do so well and I had invested a lot into doing this and doing well. And so I started writing a little bit about my experience there. It started off as just a series of blog posts and I shared it with some friends and some people online and it was really just it had even a more negative tone than the final book it was just oh, I really don't like this game I think it's uh, it's done a lot of bad for me and I want to quit magic forever <laughs> so 
So that's kind of how it started. But what happened was I shared the, the initial writings with some of my friends, and they said, this is really interesting. This is something that not a lot of people write about, even if they feel this inside. And so you should consider making it into something a little bit more full length. And that's sort of how I began writing it as a book, if you will. All right. So there were definitely people pushing you to write the book, yeah? Yeah, definitely. And I really, so in the book acknowledgments, I tried to acknowledge some of my friends there. I really, really feel like I could not have written this book without their support and encouragement. I think that's one of the things I recognize through writing the book is how powerful the magic is and sort of reflecting back on it, how community is important, period, to any game, not just magic. And so that was really a big wake-up call for me. I know it sounds kind of silly to say, uh, and we all kind of know it because we hang out with friends when we play and when we talk about magic, but I didn't fully understand it until I started writing that that was probably the single most important reason to play the game and why I still play the game. I see. Uh, so in the first two chapters, you mentioned that your type of person is someone with an addictive personality. So have you ever taken a personality test? Uh, so what type were you then and what type are you now? <laughs> I didn't take a formal uh, test. What happened was, I, even though I had always been focused, obsessed, addicted to certain games at certain points in time, I've also had self-awareness. So even as I was spending 8, 10, 16 hours a day on thinking about something, I kind of knew I was thinking about it, but I, I sort of diagnosed myself without having to take tests. And just from knowing people who have similar personality traits, but I, I never quite took the test. No, I just sort of knew that I was addicted or obsessed about something, but the activity itself was still so fulfilling and so and fun enough that I, I, I kept up with it. But I would say that over the years, especially now, over the past five to ten years, I've mellowed out a little bit. So even though I know that I have an addictive personality, I I know what not to do, uh, <laughs> knowing enough to battle. So for example, I went to new games like WoW or Hearthstone because I know I'll just be super addicted to it if I if I try. Oh, so. <laughs> so yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so, well, definitely now you can see it objectively, yeah, uh, which is great. Uh, did you come up with, all right, there's one chapter where you came up with different characterizations of players that you've met throughout the game. So did you come up with that yourself? Because all of them are hilarious uh, and all of them are very true. Okay. Uh, I came up with all of them myself, yes. I really was speaking from my own personal experience and just from over the years as I played. So just for the listeners, I mean, I talk about people who are overly entitled, people who would rather play solitaire than to play the opponent because they just build a SimCity deck. They just want to do some cool thing on their own. I talk about people who are uh, the equivalent of poker players. They're always complaining about bad luck and bad beats. Uh, so actually, I came up with all, all these archetypes on my own. But what's really interesting is that when I was sharing part of the writing with Reddit and the magic community <laughs> when it was a blog post, this was the most controversial part of the book. In fact, I have friends say, you should probably not write this into the book. But in the end, I decided that it was real. It was, it was real experiences and real people. 
um, well, I talked about people without actually saying their actual names, but it, yeah, it, Chuck, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. In Portugal, we just call them me, 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 me. Okay. <laughs> Every time they they go on like, oh, I had a bad draw, or like, you know, my opponent just drew the right thing at the right time, and be like, me, 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 me. So. Right, right. <laughs> and it's it's a challenge because the players who are like that, they never seem to get better, right? As a competitive player, they just talk about their bad luck instead of thinking about what they could have done better, and that really separates people who level up versus people who who don't <laughs> so that's actually very true uh if you you know if you attribute everything to luck then uh you know this is well the game wouldn't feature the top players in the top ranks all the time right exactly and also people are not really aware sometimes that they have had lots of cases of good luck too so sometimes mm. you don't see Oh, sure, you know, there's a game where I mulligan a three and I had really bad luck, but there might be a game where the opponent mulligans the three or you had a very good draw. And people never seem to take a very balanced view. And so the way I talk about these characters is just a way to be honest, but at the same time have a little bit of fun and talk about players. And hopefully someone who reads this section can have a little self-awareness of their own. So, yeah. Just laugh at yourself, you know, once in a while. I'm glad... You definitely left that chapter in because uh, that's one of the most entertaining parts that I've that I've read in Magic: The Gathering in uh, you know quite a while. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to be very. I wanted it to be like I said. I wanted the book to be about the good and the bad and the ugly. So <laughs> I wanted it to be very factual. I didn't want to leave anything out. Yeah. Uh, there's one chapter that you dedicated entirely to Matt, and I like that you did that. Uh, maybe you can tell the people at home an idea of who Matt is. Sure. Matt is a really good friend of mine. And we, in fact, he was the first person that I, I, I met when I started playing competitively, especially, particularly legacy competitively. Matt's just had, I'm sure all of us have, have somebody like this, somebody who's... So over the years, as I've drifted in and out of magic and I moved to a new country... I've always kept in touch with him. He's been very encouraging to me. He's you know, a lot of things about magic, but also non-magic. We've become really good friends. And so I really wanted to dedicate a chapter of the book on him. Not just on him, but also as an example of how good, how great the magic community can be. I think all of us have a friend who has kept us in the game. Uh, one of the points that I tried to make is that it's all about who you hang out with when you play Magic. You know, if you have a great community, you will continue to play the game because you'll feel excited to go every week, every month to a tournament, or play at someone's house. But if you don't have that connection, you will drift out of the game. I think it's very natural. And I think it really, it, it's really why perhaps you and I are still in the game and others are not. And so I really wanted to pay homage to all the people in the community who have kept other players in the game. And that's essentially who Matt was to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you that, uh, you know, community is definitely a big part of it, which is, you know, why we're working with uh, a few, you know, a few friends of mine just to build up a community and uh, maintain a community. Because, yeah, like you mentioned in the book, like the the make or break for a game is the community. 
and uh, you were playing Star Wars uh, CCG earlier on. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you did mention that the community was, you know, inviting, and you know that they they made you come back to play the game, uh, not because of the game, but because you know of interactions that you had with them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about every kid who starts playing Magic or another game when they go into a card store for the first time. It's often amazing how they end up playing the game for 10 years after that, or they just stop playing after the first time they go into the store when somebody says something negative or disparaging. I mean, it's a huge difference in terms of how the community should treat players, especially new players, because new players are the only way that you can get more interest in the game. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about kids last week, and uh, yeah, we definitely need to treat treat kids uh, slightly different from uh, you know from adults. You know, we need to bring them into the game and make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. But I would say that even adults too. I think um, you know we all know people also in in our twenties and thirties who drifted from magic. Of course, there's life reasons, but sometimes there can also be unpleasant things happening when you're playing a game of magic or in a tournament. So I think as players, we should all try to just be good people to everybody, regardless of who it is. So. Generally good people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, there was, um, you know, there's one quote that, uh, you know, I have uh, that, uh, how do I put this? It struck me. Uh, as well, something that I that I live by. You mentioned that the more well-rounded your life is outside of magic, the more fruitful your magic career will be. So when did you come to this realization? I think it was just experience and practice. So it's not like something that I woke up one day and I thought, wow, that's really the the key to success in magic. Uh, but it's really just, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's more like a eventual realization because through my own experiences, I realized that, for example, the New Jersey incident, this is when I put myself mentally all in and I didn't do so well. I put a lot of pressure on myself. But if I can go into every match and every tournament and just think in terms of, hey, you know, I prepare for this thing. I'm giving it a very honest focus try and let the chips fall where they may or let the cards fall where they may i think when you do that it's often a lot better and also going back to some of my friends like matt my my good friend he is somebody who used to put a lot of stress on himself to do well and he would be disappointed if he did not do well but also through observing friends such as matt i've seen how over the years in recent years He's had a more well-rounded thing outside of magic. He ends up mm-hmm. performing better, like actual results-wise. And so I think it's—I call it a paradox, but really, uh, maybe it's not even a paradox. It's just something that, when you have a more well-rounded view, you put less pressure on yourself, and you just end up doing better because you don't—you're not all in on something. So. Uh, one of your messages in the book: Don't go all in on magic, yeah. Uh, or don't yeah, go in on magic. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think three years was it three years ago that you moved to China? Actually, it's been about four and a half years. So 
when I finished writing the book, it was uh, a little bit farther back. So yeah, it's been it's been almost five years for me in China. Okay, so uh, when you moved to China, you told yourself, well, you gave yourself one year off, okay, and then you told yourself, uh, you know, I'm gonna play magic sparingly. I'm uh, only gonna play when it, uh, you know, when I go to the states. Your reason being, uh, yeah, you don't want to, you know, invest that much time. Uh, did drafting ever come into the picture uh, as a way to play the game sparingly without having to practice? You know, I considered drafting at some point, and I had drafted in the past, but I chose yeah. not to draft when I was in China because I also knew that drafting was very skill intensive. So even though there was not much of a financial investment. I knew that to get good at draft with good players, you also have to do it quite a lot. So it probably would not have been enough to draft once a month. And knowing the type of player I am, I, if I were to go into a format for the first time, or because if I were drafting again, I would not. I would have to be acquainted with the new sets and new blocks. I would probably feel that I would have to practice a lot more in the beginning to to reach that stage. And so that's kind of the reason why I stayed away from drafting and I con continued to play Legacy because I thought, okay, I had a fairly good handle on the decks that I was already playing and the format doesn't change as much compared to draft or standard or some of the other formats. Uh, okay, all right, so that makes sense. Uh, all right, so with regards to your final questions and your framework at the end of the book, I'm not going to spoil it for people. Uh, you know, there, there have been a lot of articles uh, written out there. The one that I like, uh, Sean McLaren, it's entitled Seven Magic Principles for Peak Performance. It embraces the same values uh, that you've shared in the book. So are there any certain writers in the MTG community uh, that were the inspiration for the book? Or is this just based off your, uh, you know, solely of your experiences? I think there are some, there have been some excellent articles on having the right mindset and approach for magic. I would say that in recent memory, PV, Paulo Vitor uh, from Brazil, you know, Hall of Famer PV, he's written for Channel Fireball, and I think a lot of his writing has really resonated with me. They didn't go directly, I didn't go directly, I wasn't directly influenced by his writing, but I thought that the way he analyzed situations and also about your your mindset as a player had a had an indirect influence. There was another writer, I don't know if you know him, CML, Chris Morris Lent. He wrote about winning magic on while he was on, on shrooms, on mushrooms. And he's also written a few pieces about the negative sides of magic. I think there was one called The Pro Tour Sucks. And he's actually been a really big influence on me just because not not directly in terms of stylistically or content-wise, but he made me realize that, hey, it's okay to talk about the negative dark side of Magic because Magic is a very corporate-driven game. They want to accentuate or highlight the positives of the game because obviously they want to sell more product and more, you know, get more players, you know, play, uh, play more Magic, travel the world, have fun, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> Chris or CML was writing about the negative aspects of doing that. And so that was a huge inspiration for me and made me realize that, hey, I could try to do something like that as well as, you know, write about a more well-rounded view, not entirely negative, but talk about the bad as well as the good. 
Yeah, I'm glad that somebody, uh, you know, does pick up on this because I don't think we talk about the negative aspects of the game as much as, uh, well, one would like. You know, people should be aware that, uh, you know, such demons do exist. And, uh, and the you know, the more we know, the better we are for it, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult challenge because that stuff doesn't sell. <laughs> so if you're a magic website and you're trying to sell cards or promote the game, it's very difficult to have that kind of conversation with the reader or the listener. But I felt that the other way that CML influenced me was that he was able to in magic with things that were going on outside of magic and so that's also what i tried to do is you know i i want to talk about magic but i also want to talk about basketball i want to talk about things i'm not trying to take focus away from the magic narrative but i realized through writing it that competition is competition and so we're all competitive about something sometimes it just happens that magic is one of the things so uh very well said uh okay so uh, we're going to wrap up here, but before we go, we'd like to find out where we can find your book and uh, any of the other things that you are doing right now. Sure. So you can find my book on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle editions. So if you just search for Magic the Addiction on Amazon, you should be able to find it. You can also reach out to me through my Twitter account. So James underscore HSU. You can definitely tweet me and I'll get back to you. There's another project that I've been working on, a new podcast that I've launched where I talk to Magic players about their life and their competitive journeys. It's called Humans of Magic, and it's also available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. So check that out if you have time. All right. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for coming on to the show and sharing about your book. We highly, highly recommend this book uh, if you are... Well, even if you're not on a competitive journey, you know, the lessons that you learn in uh, Magic the Gathering and, you know, just competition in general, this book covers them all uh, and, you know, written from a very personal standpoint, uh, which is what I like a lot. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you and thanks for having me. Uh, so, James, we'll see you soon. Okay, talk to you later. this episode of humans of magic i would love to get feedback from you on how to make the show better you can find me on twitter at james underscore sue that's james underscore hsu please also check out my website at writtenbyjames.com and drop me a line thanks for listening and have an awesome day